Hola, hello, bienvenido, and welcome. My name is Annette Perel. I'm a proud Afro-Latina of Panamanian descent and a doula for over 17 years and mom of a son. I created this podcast to help connect people to other Black, Latino, and Indigenous people in the birth field. I also want my listeners to hear birth stories directly from the parents who experience them. Welcome to the Clear Birth Podcast. I want to see a total transformation and paradigm shift of what what we think and what we know as midwifery. I want it to be normal and okay to give birth in a sweat lodge. I want people to be able to have every resource they need to pay for the midwife that they want. I want to see birth workers and doulas also supported and and like be witnessed, you know, for what they contribute to this work. Today, I'm interviewing Jesse Bonilla and Karen Lopez. I was Jesse's mentor many moons ago, and Jesse introduced me to Karen, who is also a sobadora. A sobadora means a traditional healer. Jesse and Karen have completed their journeys to midwifery this year. I wanted to have them on to talk about their journeys and their path as sobadoras and midwives, traditional customs, and how they incorporate their traditions into midwifery. I really enjoyed speaking with these women, and I think you'll enjoy it as well. Okay, I'd like to welcome you both to my show. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Karen and Jesse. And we usually just jump right in. And so I'll start with Karen. Uh, what career did you want to do when you were in grade school, high school, and college? So I always wanted to support people, help people. I, I definitely, as a young girl, Felt that I wanted to support people in their health and their well-being and the word healing comes up as something that was part of my understanding of who I was even as a young person. Um, I think I, I definitely thought about being a teacher, being a doctor, a lot of things um, that were in service of others. And as I got older um, and in high school and college, uh, that vision started to refine itself even more and more. Um, And I became an organizer and organizing people was about building power and building um, community strength. And I saw that women were the backbone of that community. And so I was very called to serve women um, and their children from a young age. Okay. And Jesse? Yeah. Um, I think similarly, like when, since I was a young child, I grew up with my grandmother in my home. So my grandmother was a caretaker. Um, and she also um, used humbly, like used plants, never really referred herself to, gave labeled herself in any way, you know? Um, but I never, like, I just seen her like big heart really just responded with me. And it was always about caring for others and looking out for others. Um, and I know that like maybe in high school, I like, it was like, oh, I want to be a pediatrician or I wanted, I was very called to children. I just didn't, didn't really understand how. And um, I at one point too, I wanted to be a businesswoman. <laughs> my father was a businessman at that point. It's like, I think he was my closest like, relationship in like my teenage years. Um, and then when I went to college, I think that really changed for me as well. And, um, and it really, I started looking out more like what are ways that I can really contribute um, on a social end to community, you know, um, I remember going to New York and I did some foster care, like social work when I first got there. And, and it really was there that 
um, I really started seeing just all the different sectors and how um, our communities are impacted and realizing that it all kind of started at birth. You know, it's like when we can't, when we don't, when we disrupt and like, and don't honor that ceremony, then a lot of the other things start to fall out of place, you know? So that's where my interest in birth work came from. That and like personal experience of other health situations. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so what was the catalyst that, that pushed you into doula work or to birth work? I think that, I think I was kind of alluding to it, um, mm-hmm. is that I think it was that, it was just like seeing like socially how... Um, just like all the broken pieces mm-hmm. that impact our communities. And as well as like my own personal experience of like having uterine cancer at an early age, I was like 20, 21. Um, I had what people, what was referred to as a molar pregnancy. Um, and I feel like that was like my first seed, my first like teacher in that sense as an adult, you know, um, of really just like really like understanding myself as a woman and how I identified with how like healthcare impacted me, you know, and as well as like spiritually, how the experience of having uterine cancer like, opened up this whole world for me, you know? And from there, I started to discover that my grandmother was a midwife in, in Peru. Um, my father's from Peru and his mother was a midwife and also a pediatric nurse back in our country. And, um, and things would start to unravel. And through my own healing, it really left me, led me to birth work, you know, and through also my like, spiritual community. Seeing other women in my community also open up to birth work is what I think really propelled and inspired me to like move forward with it and to now become a midwife at this point, you know. I love to tell the story about um, when I was about seven or eight, um, a family friend of mine who became my like godmother took me to the hospital and she was a midwife um, in San Francisco. And it was a community county hospital in our community and in the mission. And I remember having this weird feeling like babies are born here. So how has the work been so far? It's challenging. And it's also like, I'm also grateful mm-hmm. for it. Um, just 20 minute visits, just like a different, oh. I can go on and on. And I, I'm like trying to like detour myself from like, I sometimes like going to like complain about the situation, mm-hmm. you know, cause I feel like there's just so many broken pieces yeah. about it. Um, and I'm like, okay, like what can I do about, you know, what can I do yeah. about it when I'm in there? Yeah. But I mean, it's just, it's a lot. It's interesting. I've been, I've been working for like a month and uh-huh. a half. You know, I only go in twice a week because I'm doing part time, okay. and I see so many miscarriages, so many. Yeah, you know, and like I work with like within the Latinx, like Indigenous, like migrant mm-hmm. community. You know, and it's it's just very. I mean, I think miscarriage is more common than yes. we talk about, mm-hmm. right? So that's one thing, and then um, the other thing is like just like thinking about how this pandemic is really impacting our community. Um, yeah, so it's it's just, and it, I don't. I mean, I think it's it's hard to see that, you know, but also like. I'm like, this is what I do. I hold space, but how am I supposed to do that in 20 minutes and then go over all like your yes. physical, like you care for you mm-hmm. physically and physiologically, you know, like it's not yeah. possible. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I think that's the hard part. Yeah. I, I think, especially when it comes to miscarriage, especially now, I think we're starting to really see the effects of how our environment has what it has on us because there's so much, so many more miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And then you start realizing, oh, there's, all these ways in which we're exposed to toxins that we didn't realize mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. that was happening. And it's like, mm-hmm. now what can we do? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of them are out of people's yes, control. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Because if it's in your water, yeah. there's there's nothing you can do about mm-hmm. that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that yeah. I, 
I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, there's, it's, you know, maybe you know this, it's like people who burn the hospital, it's different mm-hmm. than, than what we yeah. see at home, you know? And I see a lot of people that are sick, yeah. you know, like in the hospital, like in, they're like preeclampsia, like, you know, they, they have all these mm-hmm. things, these layered yeah. things, like cholestasis, patient yesterday was like, she had cholestasis, she had hypertension, like borderline preeclampsia, like gestational diabetes. And I'm just like, wow, you have so yeah. much going on. And we're just trying to get you to 37 yeah. weeks. Like, forget about this, like, <laughs> the other stuff that mm-hmm. I used to do in the doula. It's like, now it's like, medically, we're just trying to get you at 37 weeks so that a baby has the yeah. best chance, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just so complex, you know? I feel like that responsibility feels heavy right now. And I'm trying to find ways to to work with that. Yeah. You know? And that that's the other thing, you know, finding ways to, because I know that you're so thoughtful in just the way you experienced birth as a doula. So now as a midwife, it, it, you have to kind of process everything and not internalize it in that same way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, I mean, I haven't, I haven't gone to a place where I can like fluidly like. No, it's going to take a while. Yeah. Well, yeah. No. Yeah. Like, and now I'm like, a midwife, like I'm just trying to make sure that I'm crossing all my T's, dying all my yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, like making sure that they, they all mm-hmm. stay alive, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but also trusting, I think it goes back to like, and I think we probably will get into it later on in this conversation. It's like really trusting, like, like the, the foundation and the base that I, that I, that I came into yeah. this work with. Right. Um, like from childhood to like my doula work and the people that supported me in that process, to then become who I am now. And like, and who's just like a baby yeah. midwife, you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. a baby right now. And like, I'm totally yeah. okay with that. And I'm like, I will be a baby until like, you know, and have so much like humility, much more mm. humility with mm. the work, you know, than I did before, yeah. to be honest, you know? Yeah. But I mean, there's also just so much, I feel like this, the training, it was challenging. I think I'll just leave it at that. As guess got yeah. into coming back up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll definitely get into mm-hmm. that and cover that. Because um, I think it's important. Like there, there's a way I can have this conversation with you that I can't have this conversation mm-hmm. with Tanya. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like mm-hmm. it, it was important for me with starting starting this podcast to make sure that I had a space to kind of highlight highlight BIPOC people because you know the the norm is not. Right. And they talk about this work in such a way that is not connected in the way we connect. And your godmother took you to the hospital. Yes. And so my godmother took me to the hospital and I was starting to wonder, oh, where where do babies come from and how are they born and and why this place? You know, and then as I got older and started building a lot of community with a mostly Black and brown women organizing in Brooklyn and Queens, um, immigrant rights work, all of that. I started to connect with a lot of women that wanted to do things differently than they than they've been called to do um, by society, right? Which is birth in the hospital, birth under somebody else's terms. And so um, I felt really called to start going into birth work as a doula, like una acompañante. Um, and just be able to bear witness and support and bring all of my healing gifts that I already had with me that were um, rooted in ancestral medicine around just emotional release and releasing of um, internalized oppression and trauma that we've lived 
in order for our babies to be born in gentle ways and healthy ways and loving ways um, with the herbs, with songs, you know. So I felt like at a certain point, my community was like, okay, we need you to step in further into this journey. We need you to be sitting in that seat, you know, that seat being the, the midwife, the partera. Um, and so it took me a while to say, okay, I'm going to take this on, you know, and I am so happy that I listened, you know, because it's un llamado, it's a call from community, from spirit, from the ancestors, you know, later on, I'm finding out, you know, that my great grandmother was a midwife, and she received my mother when she was born. And you're like, Oh, all of the signs mm-hmm. and the stories and the dreams and the visions yes. are coming yeah. together and aligning to support me and walking in this journey, which is a beautiful journey, but a hard one, you know? Yeah. So I want to go back a little because you're also a sobadora. So I want you to explain Mm -hmm. a little bit about how you came to that work and what that work entails to get to starting to actually do the physical work of sobadora. So I got into healing work and trabajo sobando. I got into trabajo sobando y cuidando y sanando. Um, by first doing the work for myself as a 20 year old in New York City um, from California in college, trying to live my life with integrity and love and having a really hard time with the old wounds and all of the stuff that we carry. Um, And I was so lucky to find a community of black and brown women in the South Bronx, right, The, the poorest congressional district of the United States holding healing circles of color for women of color to heal from this trauma and the violence. And one of my teachers was Esperanza Martel, and she was an organizer um, back in the Black Panther Young Lords movement. Um, And she saw the need for our communities to not only be in the struggle, but to to also heal Um, because many of us were self-medicating, right, with other things. And so that was my journey into uh, what then became like limpias and sobadas. And once I started opening myself to my healing I started meeting all these beautiful human beings that were calling me to ceremony and to danza and to spaces that I had never imagined in my life I could be in. And um, through all of that, I got to meet um, Jesse. And uh, Jesse actually connected me to a lot of community. And we started learning together and with each other. Um, and I also got to meet Bankit Sani, which is a beautiful teacher also um, based in the Bay in uh, California. And she started teaching me and I started caring for my womb, you know, first, first, primero que nada, just caring and loving for her and all the, all the, all the things that I carry through my mom and my grandma, and my great grandma. Um, and I just started, um, connecting all of that knowledge and information and starting to fuse it in my hands to be able to touch wounds with respect, with dignity. And I've been able to support folks who have um, gone through miscarriages, abortions, all kinds of sexual trauma. And it is a, it is an honor and it's very sacred to be able to be in that space with people. And it's all because of the work that I've had to do for myself. Yeah. And Jesse, what drew you to 
do that work? I think going back to like my own healing with my own uterus, you know, it's like we talk about the healer is like the wounded healer. Right. Um, And I remember like in my twenties, so like that experience happened to me, like in my early twenties and like years, like soon after, like I had teachers like Karen Rose, who's like an herbalist out in Brooklyn, you know, um, who became one of my biggest like mentors during that time. Um, I also started doula work and had many mentors, including yourself, Annette, you know, like guiding me through that process. And, and really like, I feel like my healing came in from like doing that work with myself, but also being witness to other people's healing and holding that space for them. Like that being invited into that space is like, to me, the biggest honor, you know, it's like, I don't take any of it lightly. And I really started learning just through like seeing the ceremony of birth being like assembled to like all the rebirths that we have in our lives right? Like every single moment we are rebirthing and we have the opportunity to to make that happen, you know, and how learning all these like um, ways of how to take on my own healing, like through my personal experiences, through like holding space for other families, through like learning, like like, through sisters that got in and um, community of like folks that have been handed out this information of like, how do we do this emotional release? How do we like share these ways? Like how do we really bring back these traditions that are in our lineages, right? Um, In order to reclaim that healing for ourselves and therefore then be able to hold that space for others, you know? Um, And like got in, it's like, I also learned with Banquetsani and I feel like my role as like a sobadora is like I, I take that very humbly because I feel like I, I feel very much as a baby in that sense too it's like I'm still learning you know it's like I'm still learning with my own body I'm still learning my own body of carrying you know four different pregnancies and having two live children you know and um and like what that process is you know with that my relationship with my own like uterus and like how do I hold that space for others when they invite me to support them you know, and I think it's such like a, every single time, it's such a unique, different, distinct experience, you know, it's like, I feel like I can apply some things similarly, but other times, it's just like, whatever it is that I'm being called to do for that space, you know, and a lot of the times I do have the honor of placing my hands on someone's uterus, and the other times it's not, you know, other times it's working and using other like, tools or other ways that I have been taught to like support that healing, you know. Mm -hmm. Karen, can you can you walk through like, what you do at a sobada and and every single person has the medicine and they do it so differently yes. so the way mm-hmm. that i um that i that i've been taught to is to check in first and foremost yeah. and you know our our ancestors have said just in plática in consejo you know in the word we can heal with each other you know so mm-hmm. just starting to check in and see like what is your intention where where do you want to take this um session and um what do you want to let go of you know and then from there i do um, I smudge them down with medicine, whether copal, palo santo, or any medicine that's, um, you know, local to the area. Um, and then I do a meditation, a light meditation, and calling the directions of the ancestors, the the guides of that person, my own guides that come and support me every time. Um, and just requesting the support of that intention that that person has put forth. And then I just start listening, you know, I, I start listening to whatever communication comes my way in terms of how the body is moving and how the body is expressing things out. And, 
you know, I've learned that the body can express similar to how babies express the energy out. So it can cry, it can laugh, it can scream, it can sigh, it can shake, it can throw up, you know. Um, so all of that can happen in a sobada and a limpia. And for me, it's really important to get to um, the spiritual and emotional uh, piece of the work before the physical. A lot of people will come and, oh, I have this, I have that. Can you help me with this? I'm like, of course. And then it's about the what what's underneath that. What is the the thing that has sort of blossomed in your womb that is also reflecting back some energetic pieces, you know, that you're holding on to. And so, you know, if it's a loss, like, or, or if it's anger, like I've seen a lot of pent up rage that we uh, mainly as folks who hold wombs carry, you know, and so how do, how do I create a space that gives permission for somebody to tap into that deep, deep rage that we don't get to tap into um, and then to be able to come back and to come back on their terms and in their safety and in their dignity. And I always um, talk a lot about, so what do you want to fill yourself back up with? What is the energy that you want to walk with? You know, cause it's not just about dumping, right? Whatever we don't carry, but also about generating ourselves individually, but as a community, um, to what we really want to stand for, you know, and I don't think we get to have that conversation a lot, you know, about um, that we are deserving, you know, we are deserving of love, of justice, of liberation, of healing, of freedom. And for somebody to get to that point, I, I'm i like, thank you, abuelitas. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, mostly you know the ancestors will say when it's done (laughs) and I I get on you know sometimes I get to sing to people sometimes I get to use plants you know fresh plants and sweep the body energetically sometimes I um, use the drum or the shell the conch shell and every tool is just that a tool Tool that has been passed down to us by our, our our ancestors and how we use it and with what intention we use it is how the healing comes through. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, you had mentioned too that there is a uh, healing that comes through you, right? That the ancestors are there speaking through you. But then when the message is done, how do you heal mm. you? Like, who, how do you not carry that with mm-hmm. you? I immediately um, go and um, clear my hands first and foremost. Um, and I, I really work on my hands energetically um, when I'm not doing healing work. So as to create boundaries and barriers mm-hmm. of yeah. like um, absorbing energy. Um, and so I go and put really <laughs> cold water in my hands. I clap you know, it's, and I call it complete, like, you know, thank you. How do you, in your process, when you said you were healing yourself, how did you go, what process and steps did you take to do that? You know, when they say like you, people refer to it as like your awakening and your rebirth, you know, like in your life, you know, or like, it was a moment where I think I was like, oh, I opened my eyes, like, 
you know, and I feel like the last time that I felt like I had my eyes open and I can twirl in the sun and really feel everything, you know, I feel the wind, feel the warmth, like not only that, but I can see it. Like I can see past what we can visually like see in this physical plane, you know, like I can really see, I understood the world, you know, and like there was that moment that last time I can probably remember was when I was a kid you know, and, and that happened, that moment happened for me, like, as I started to understand, like, what um, my own experience with cancer, you know, because right after, I mean, I was, I don't know too old, I was, like, 20, like, I was in, like, a really, um, I was, like, in a relationship that was not healthy, you know, there was a lot of abuse in that relationship, and, um, and coming out of it, I mean, I was just like, honestly, like, I remember at that point, like, they were suggesting that they take my uterus out, like, at 20 years old, you know? Um, and I was like, sure, take it out. Like, that, that's how, like, my, that's the kind of relationship I had with my body, you know? Um, and the thing is, like, and I was living with abuse, you know? And, um, and I don't want to say disconnected, but I just, like, wasn't in tune, you know? And... And it wasn't until like I moved to New York that at that point I was living in California and I moved to New York in my early twenties and I started to meet people. Like it was literally, my grandmother had just passed maybe a year before I had cancer. And I remember like when I moved to New York, I started to listen to her. Like actually even before that, cause I remember even getting to New York was kind of a struggle. I was like, am I supposed to go or not? And I remember like hearing something to be like, you just need to go, you need to get out, you know? I remember my grandmother just started to like guide me and I didn't realize it at that point, but it wasn't until like maybe a year into being there. Like I started meeting all these people, like people just started coming into my life, you know, and um, like doula work opened up, like birth work opened up, like um, connecting with like my indigenous community out in New York opened up, you know, um, like taking on my own healing and learning, understanding like different, there are different tools that I can do this. I can like, the emotional release work that Karina was talking about. Like I learned through spaces that, that she was holding with other, that from, and other sisters were holding for the community, you know? And I started being like, oh, like this is what it is to not only do that healing for oneself, but to learn how to ground, right? To like, in order to like really be able to have a container to feel the pain, you know, and be able to release it. And then that creates space to be grounded and to be open and listen, you know, and it was that going back to that, like feeling of like, I can actually see past what we can see and really start to listen past what we think that we can listen to. Like, there's so much more that we can that we, I think uh, we all are born into with these abilities, you know, um, that th there was more space created for me to actually understand that. And from there, it was just like literally listening and just like, whenever like people would come into my lives, it was understanding like are, that they were guiding me, you know, and that my grandmother's was literally placing people in my, my path in order to um, get to where I am now and continue to walk because there's so much more ahead of me, you know? And I feel like one of the biggest things that I was able to understand about myself, you know, is I feel like we all have different dones, right? We all have different gifts that we develop. And one of them was like being able to like really visually see things, you know, being able to be like, oh, that's where I need to go. And like, I didn't know how I was going to get there, but just knowing that I had to trust and listen and like keep doing that work for myself in order to stay grounded, in order to like be able to listen, you know? And it's been interesting how that journey, like since that experience, like in my early twenties to now has been like this, like has been a wave, you know, waves of like, I can like, I get it all. And then other times where I'm like, where am I, <laughs> you know? And like really the people who have held me, 
are like my sisters, you know, like my community that in those times where we were able to like pick me up and like be like, all right, you're good. Like, let's go back and do that clearing. You know, let's go back to like grounding. Let's go back to, um, I mean, it really goes back to like our Madrecita Tierra, you know, like our biggest mother that like holds you in like the gunk and the beauty and everything that we are, you know, and being able to go back with humility, you know, and then picking myself up to continue, you know, continue to walk because it's gotten says like this work, I feel like this whole journey has been so beautiful and it's brought so many gifts to my life. And at the same time, it's been very challenging, you know, but I take it with all that because I know that in those challenges, we, we learn so much, you know, and we learn so much and we learn how to be more humble, you know, And, and for me, it really is about like our generations to come. It's like our seeds, you know, like all these babies, not just mine, you know, it's like all of my community seeds, all the babies, all the star babies that are like yet to come. It's like really thinking about like what we talk about is the seven generations to come, you know, it's like realizing that genera seven generations before me were able to like pray, make things happen for me to be who I am today, you know, or For, for us all, you know, um, and how I can continue that work with our seeds. Yeah. And Karen, so Jesse was talking a little bit about community and finding her roots back to indigenous, her indigenous community. Can you speak to the finding of the community, but then also the doing of the work of the ceremonies that keep you even more grounded in this work? Yeah. I mean, community, it's a joy. It's a joy to be in community. It's a joy to be with people who hold similar values and love you and care for you and will sing for you, will be there for you. And ceremony to me has been my life, like a life teacher. Um, when I am in ceremony, I get to watch and learn from peers as well as elders about how I want to be in life because if in ceremony I can sit with respect and dignity and show up as my full self and and listen and be humble and be able to be vulnerable to heal like that's how I want to be in my life you know so it's been my teacher it's uh, the place where I can learn to be in discipline to show up even when I don't want to <laughs> even if it's hard you know like I, I have had many ceremonies where it's been hard because I there's something there that I have to heal. And um, and so I've gotten to be so lucky to be in ceremonies of uh, like ancestral ways of other lineages, not of my own. Um, through danza, I've been able to take part in a two-spirit women's sun dance ceremony that, you know, I, I say all ceremonies have saved my life, have healed my life. And it's true, you know, and healing ceremonies, medicine ceremonies. So I feel so lucky. And, you know, during this pandemic, it hasn't been like I haven't been able to be in that. And so what all of that rich access to the beautiful ceremonies that I did get to tap into for many, many, many years, I get to then now in this time that we're going more within to do that for myself. You know, we still have a, an, a, a responsibility to maintain that ceremony during this time. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I'd like to ask the both of you, but we could start with Jesse about you know, the transition from doula work into the education of midwifery and that challenge of 
first taking that step. And then once you're in it, the work that you had to do that was kind of counterintuitive to what we do as doulas. And then the almost, I think, Karen, you described it in one of your posts, um, Instagram posts. It was like a breaking apart, breaking and the reimagining, but in a way that just didn't feel like sacred and how, how you got through that. I will just like full disclaimer is that like, I am just coming out of this experience. You know, I've just, I'm just coming out of my like professional medical training, clinical training, I guess is what I would call it. Um, so like feelings are still fresh, <laughs> you know? And like, and I think I always, I don't know if I alluded this earlier right now um, or in this conversation, but it's like, I feel like honestly, my teachings or my teachers or my training or however we want to call that, you know, um, it really came for me like since I was a little kid, you know, it's like I had to really first acknowledge like my, my grandmother, you know, my, my abuelita Maria Piofas, who like, who raised me, who was my mother, really, who like taught me just like with plants, you know, like that was my first teacher, you know, and like along the ways I've had many other teachers who like held me as a birth worker, who held me in many other ways. And then that brought me to like stepping up, like Karen was saying, it's like our community requested of this uh, from us you know it was almost like it took us like what like more than five years to like figure out just the logistics of like how to step into this work you know and how we were going to show up and how we're going to do this like you know we like we traveled before and went to Mexico and went to Guatemala we went you know we were trying to find ways of like we were trying to find a teacher you know like how are we supposed to do this and it really pointed us back to like this is where we are like we we live here and like the work is here and like and how is it that we were going to like be able to have more access to uh, for our community like how are we going to provide more access to our community so the actual process of like coming, going from a doula to a midwife was, was that was just figuring out like, there's like the seat, what are the, like the legal licenses that we can step into in, you know, to be, to be a midwife. And it was like, we had a CPM, we have a CM, a CNM. We were like, what is that? What are the different, you know, it's like, it came from, from like learning those basic things that I, I didn't understand very clearly, you know, and it was speaking to people who held those letters, you know, like that, that were CNMs, that were CNMs. PMs. I remember speaking to Chula Dura, like our Pati Garcia, about like, you know, like their CPM and like being like, what does that mean? And like, I remember them then giving us like names of CNMs and they're just so well connected to folks, you know? And from there, they're just like speaking to other people. And, and then we're like academia, you know, it's like, I was so intimidated by academia, to be honest, at the beginning, you know, I had just like, what gets out with TV must've been like, what, a year and a half, two years when I started my prereqs, you know, it's like, and thinking of that as like a mother with a young child, like, what is that going to look like? You know, anyways, I think I, it goes back to like, then letting yourself be guided again, you'd be like, you, this is what you need to do. And like, realizing for me, it was also like acknowledging like my privileges, you know, and like, being in particular in a community that like many of our folks and many of our community that were birth workers, you know, or that just like, that were just part of our community, like were undocumented, you know, and that didn't necessarily have the privilege to be able to step into academia in this way. And they were the ones requesting us to step up, you know, and it was really understanding that understanding, like looking around being like, wow, there's only one Spanish speaking home birth midwife in New York city, like in New York city. <laughs> And um, at that time, you know, um, I know that there's more now and, and realizing like, 
you know, that we were as doulas, we were trying to figure out like what midwife was going to help our sister. And like, you know, they wanted a home birth. How are we going to make that happen financially? Who was going to be there? Who was going to hold our ceremonies the way that we knew how to hold them? You know, I think that was the most challenging part is like, you can have as maybe a Spanish speaking doula, but do they understand how it is that we hold and honor birth? You know, like, I think we all to a certain extent honor it, but like we have specific ceremonies, you know, and I'm um, realizing at that point too, is that like, this was our responsibility to step into this place. And once we made it here, I just remember Karen and I like was being our biggest support system with each other to kind of like get there. And there was like bittersweet moments in those moments too, you know, and also like acknowledging the people that like, it was really like, looking back to our community and being like, who understands academia? You know, I'm just thinking of our, one of our sisters who like helped us like write our essays, <laughs> you know, through like tears, through like everything that came through, just like writing those statements for them for in order to like be able to present who we are in a way that was truthful and integrity who we are and how we walk but at the same time in the language that academia understood. You know, from that point to then like getting in and like moving, you know, it's like I transplanted my family from like New York City to L.A. and then to Portland, Oregon, where we are now, you know, for us to do this, you know, and I am grateful to have a partner that just like completely backed me and like supported me through this whole process because he also understands like what this means. Like I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for our community, you know, Um, and in stepping into academia, it was it's another world. It's another world where I like understood the systemic brokenness <laughs> of it all. You know, as a doula, I saw all these things that were wrong with how they treated our community or why, why our like families were, were having so, you know, where we're seeing so many like illnesses in our community, you know, but once I was in there, I was like, oh, this is like, I think it was, just, it was really hard to see for me, you know, and I don't think I was really I fully understood or really was fully prepared to hold that, you know? Yeah. And I think it was, it was really being able to see that and realizing that our, that our communities weren't really spoken up about, you know, where I was, where I was learning these things. Um, If we were ever talked about it, it was coming from me, (laughs) you know, and, um, and feeling like I had, that had the responsibility to keep speaking up about it, but it was also very exhausting, you know? And at the same time, I'm supposed to learn and pass these tests and like, and be able to like get this, le- get these letters, right? Um, and honestly, through that whole process, I also like, I had a big awakening for me, you know, and like acknowledging that like, in this whole system, you know, where we see so much brokenness in our communities of color, like our BIPOC communities was also acknowledging my role as like a white Latina, you know, and like what that means, like not only what my role is for my own community, but what my role is in other communities and when we have these bigger conversations, you know, like what is it that I also have to do? Like what do I need to unpack for myself in order to be able to walk in integrity and be the voice that I need to be for our communities, you know? And I kind of lost myself a little bit as to what your question was. Um, but I think I'll hand it to you, Gutting, because I think I... Me and Jesse walked through the journey and I think she like, really told you the story before we got to midwifery and when we got to midwifery oh girl (laughs) I remember I mean we did the nursing route and so that first year of nursing school is wild it's already wild in general for anybody Um, but I think from coming from this perspective um, it was a lot I remember my first shift on 
um, a med search floor was a, um, a geriatric floor and there was a man that was dying, you know, like that was my first entry into this work clinically. And it was like, yeah, of course, the, the range of life and death is so clear for us as birth workers. This is why I'm here. I get to see the other side. Um, and how our elders, how our people are cared for with or without integrity and dignity. Um, and like Jesse said, it was heartbreaking. It pulled on every single cord on my heart. I think I cried often every every week. Um, I think I held it in. I think I I I laughed. I, I think I was I think people were like, who is this person? <laughs> In like in I I I stuck out like a sore thumb, you know, in my class of you know ninety students, and I decided that year that I was like I was gonna keep sticking out, and like that was my stand, um, and that I had any nothing to lose. I mean, I did have a lot to lose because those systems don't want us to succeed. They don't even want us to finish. They don't want us to graduate. There are many. Um, sisters of mine that didn't make it or took longer or there was a lot more road uh, bumps in the road Um, and I just feel so grateful that I was able to make it through like I don't I keep talking to people and they're like you made it you made it I'm like I'm still in the days of it I don't even I'm in the recovery of of that process Um, but I I think what my role was in school was just not as just solely a student receiving information clinically, but also as somebody who was in a constant um, interruption of oppression and constantly showing the mirror, you know, uh, to people. And I think that was important to me because much of the medical industrial complex does not get that. Um, and it is a gift. It is a gift for us to speak up and to say anything. It is labor. We know all of that, right? Um, and so I, I left exhausted. I am. I, I want to celebrate and I want to fill myself back up with all the things. And what I can be grateful for is that I had so much solid foundation coming into that program you know, uh, of learning how to process my emotions, how to process the trauma, how to speak to, to, to clients and patients with respect, you know, as human beings, just like the bare basics that you don't get taught, you know? Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was, um, what Karen Rose would say, an initiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that and that process and 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 shedding light on the fact. I know that um, also. I remember when uh, Loads went through the process, and she at Columbia, and she was always speaking about how the academic, the, all of the books did not have people of color, um, and how that was just such a foreign concept to them to think about like that it needed to be a necessity and also what it meant that if you're only seeing white bodies when you see brown bodies but 95% of the work is being done on brown bodies 
right? So that was an eye opener for me and how she was constantly, like, like you said, disrupting that process and holding the mirror up. And we definitely need more of that. And, and I'm so appreciative and happy that you ladies made it through. Thank you so much for that. Thanks. Um, I know it was not easy because I can't imagine. We'll talk about that another time. But we're going we're gonna to go on to another segment to kind of like, as you mentioned, pouring back into ourselves. This is a lighter segment. I want to know, like, what brings you joy? Karen, you can start. Uh, recently, what brings me joy is my sweet and delicious, almost three-year-old Amate. He was born yes, I, in my hands at home, oh. and he is he he. When I get home, and I'm like, oh my god, I had a crazy shift. I get to look into his eyes, and I'm like, oh yeah, you are connected. You are light. Mm-hmm. You are joy, and 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 that is who you are, and that is who all our kids are in our lives. So yeah. that brings me joy. I love being in ceremony. I love being with sisters in ceremony. I love to be in nature and healing. And recently, I've been running and just like shifting and 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 morphing into different ways of loving myself and. I love to laugh. I, you know, I, I'm, I've been called a giggler in classrooms. I just like to giggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just part of like how I bring in um, this big smile and just that energy. I want to just fill up the room like that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And Jesse, what brings you joy? I had to say my babies. <laughs> my babies just bring it back to like, to what mm-hmm. it really is about, mm-hmm. you know? I have a seven-year-old, it's totally seven now, it. and, like, he just tells her how it is, like, and he just, like, brings yeah. play into my life, and I realize, like, I, sometimes when, like, I just struggle to play with him, I'm like, oh, I just yeah. need to play? <laughs> like, he reminds me about, like, play is such an important part yes. of, like, just life, mm-hmm. living, right? And, um, and especially when we're, like, trudging through these, like, ways that are challenging, you know? And, um, so yeah, he brings that, he brings the, he's silly. He like, he has jokes, (laughs) all sorts of ways that he just brings like, and he also, that brings like joy and like playfulness Mm -hmm. into my life, but he also has like determination and has like willpower, which is what his name Mm -hmm. stands for. You know, it's like that hummingbird energy of just like the heart is so big and like the termination is clear, you know? And then uh, my, my chin, my baby, um, just brought so much like humbleness mm-hmm. to my heart, you know, and I think coming from like finishing my training, I kind of like shut it out. And then like, I was pregnant and I was just like in the joy of being mm-hmm. pregnant with her. And she, I mean, she just humbly was like, you still have things to clear mama, but it'll bring yeah. so much joy and bring so much light and brings, and just mm-hmm. it's light. She's just so mm-hmm. light in this world. So every time I like, I'm come home from work and she just like nurses and she just like is so light and just like puro amor. It's just like pure love. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is what it's about. Or we like have these giggle conversations where she's babbling and I'm like, yes, <laughs> tell me more. You know, like it's those, it's a, it's a, it's like, yeah. like that's the medicine yeah. of our children. You know, that's a medicine mm-hmm. of children, period. You know, and it's like, and realizing that like, I am yeah. a child as well. Like I am, I'm still a child in this grown body and this society that sees me as grown and having to do these things is like realizing like I fill myself up by like nourishing my yeah. like my child yeah. you know 
and um and laying on the ground and feeling the sun and like being out here in Portland and like being able to like literally like drive 30 minutes mm-hmm. and be in nature you know and like in the waterfalls like you know it rains here like three-fourths okay. out of the year <laughs> <laughs> like nine months out of the year it rains here and realizing like I've taken that like this is the yeah. medicine of this yeah. land you know is like it's constantly like raining water is constantly mm-hmm. clearing you know to bring all this beauty yeah. you know and just like being really grateful for that and filling myself yeah. up with that, you know, and like, and with all the abundance that is my mm, life right now. Nice. <laughs> and so what's your yeah. favorite scent, Jesse? You can start. Ooh, my favorite scent. I don't know, lavender comes okay. to mind right now. Lavender is like yeah. my go-to right now. Karen? Mm. Uh, my favorite scent right now, Copal. I just sat in a, I was just Copa. witnessing mm. a cerrada, mm. postpartum cerrada in a teepee and I got to mm-hmm. smudge and copal always brings me back to the most sacred times of my life. Yeah. Mm. That's a nice mm-hmm. one. I like that one too. What's a quote or a saying that inspires you, Karen? Mm. We are our ancestors' wildest dreams. And when I think about that, I think about yes. how wild how wild can we be? Because I don't think we've tapped into how wild we can be. No, (laughs) I agree. I agree. For a while, there was a quote that was going around that people were saying, I'm not my ancestors' wildest dreams, that people were saying that. And I was like, how could you not? How could you not? Like, if you give any thought to that, they had, they could not have ever imagined the things that we're doing now. So of course you're their dreams, like personified, like, yes, I love that one. Jesse? Oh, this, this is the question that I was like, I don't know. Um, I think there's something, <laughs> there's something that a teacher just, um, in, my, in me processing where mm-hmm. I am right now in my life, you know, if a mother of two starting my work as a midwife and feeling like the weight of responsibility, you know, um, she was like, in Espanol, she was like, la responsabilidad, mm-hmm. right? La responsabilidad is la habilidad de mm-hmm. responder. Like, responsibility is the ability yeah. to respond, you know? Like, in that moment kind of like, had this like, mm-hmm. like aha moment. I was like, oh, like, realizing how we can kind of switch the weight of yeah. what words have and what we bring them into our lives, you know? And realizing like, oh, like, I with like, backed up through like, all my foundation and like, with my ancestors on board, you know? am able to uh, respond like I can confidently say I'm able to respond you know and um and I just appreciate sometimes how we can like shift those meanings of these words that we um give so much weight to sometimes or I give so much weight to sometimes you know and really being able to shift that um and be able to be grounded from that place this is a little heavy one but I don't want I don't (laughs) I don't want you to kind of like be grounded in the heaviness of it but of the lightness of like what would you like to see change in midwifery? Yes, more of that. Um, I want to see a total transformation and paradigm shift of what what we think and what we know as midwifery. There is so many of us who are doing this work in the margins and doing it really well and, and loving what we do and sustaining. And so I want those voices to be heard and those visions to be sustained by folks who have privilege and have access to resources. I want it to be normal and okay to give birth in a sweat lodge. I want people to be able to have every resource they need to pay for the midwife that they want, Mm -hmm. you know, and that licenses 
don't have to yes. be a limitation anywhere we are yeah. in this country on this sacred land. Yeah. I want to see, um, I want to see birth workers and doulas also supported and what, and like be witnessed, you know, for what they contribute to this work. Um, but mostly than anything, I really am calling for abundance that we either transform the, the messed up system that exists or we wield all of the abundance that we need to do it ourselves on our terms yes. or anything sweet in between. That's what I want. That's beautiful. I like that. I like both of those answers. That's great. That's great. This next segment is where I ask you to share a birth story. So Karen, you described a little bit of your nephew being born in your hands. Like if you could explain, you know, give that story, however much you want to share, a little you want to share of like that whole process for you. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's like I've, I have so many gods children that I love and babies that I love but like this one was the first one like you know blood relative and um you know my brother and Kelly his partner were just are are already connected beings and artists and so it just felt so they were like why can't you be our midwife and I was still in and in, in midwifery um education I had just finished my nursing and I was like well let's do it let's do it and we got to work with an amazing midwife in Oakland California Luz um and she just tuned in to what they needed and wanted which was ceremony and um freedom and creativity and and um, the most beautiful vision of Amata's birth is having um, the two grandmas and the great grandma present and having an endless amount of, of medicine, you know, everything, everything, cedro, copal, palo santo, chocolate, peyote, like it was everything and having those women <laughs> like just holding the rim of that circle for her and for my brother. Um, that, you know, that is why we do this work, you know? And um, my brother had this vision of holding a fire at the same time above our, uh, above mm-hmm. his home where my parents lived. And so all the other grandparents are up there working their stuff with the fire. And, and Amate was like, work it. Don't know, vengo hasta que you work it, and that's what happened. <laughs> and in the quiet of you know eleven, almost midnight, Amate was born yeah. um, with a little drum and some songs, and it was just beautiful. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. We ran out of time, but Jesse, I'm going to have you come back and tell your stories because. I want to hear your stories just, you know, for my own personal pleasure, because, you know, I love birth stories. But I want to thank you both for being on my show. I really appreciate having you here. Let the people know where they can find you. What are your Instagram, Facebook handles? If you have. Um, I'm Karen Amalibre or Partera Amalibre. On which? On Instagram. Mm -hmm. On Instagram. Okay. And Jesse. Um, Yes, um, <laughs> this question always gets me off board because I don't, I don't use the yeah. handles as much, but I have Facebook under Chico Mitzvinkli, mm-hmm. 
and um yeah so facebook and then my email as well thank you so much ladies thank you for taking the time to do this thank you i really appreciate the both of you thank you yeah we'll have to catch up again soon (laughs) love you you're doing amazing work amazing thank you for uplifting the voices of course like how can i not (laughs) gracias thanks for listening to the clear birth podcast please don't forget to rate review and subscribe you can find me on instagram at the clear birth podcast if you want to send me an email you can reach me at the clear birth podcast at gmail.com adios hasta luego goodbye until next time